podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. afternoon ladies and gentlemen uh, my name's Kevin Graham and it's a Monday club and as usual in the Monday club I am joined by Russell Boyce. Russell how are you this fine Monday afternoon? I'm good mate there's a wave of optimism in the air Kev changes have been made the sun's now shining again there's a lot to be happy about right now I think mate well, I'm going well, to try and be a more positive actual contributor from now on I think um, there's been a lot of negativity and rightfully so and all that but Perhaps it's time to turn a new leaf and try and be a wee bit more, um, a wee bit more positive when I'm on on a Monday than what, what I've had in the past. As long as Celtic continue to try and give me some sort of reason for that, you know. <laughs> I know, I know. Now uh, at the weekend, we bet Aberdeen won nothing. But first, I've got to relate to an incident that happened at half time <laughs> on the on the match day. Um, on the, on the match day against Celtic against Aberdeen um, and when there was a revelation that I made which probably caused a certain member of the Celtic first team squad the utmost embarrassment if he's ever seen it uh, I, can, I can't confirm so I can't confirm that the incident never happened <laughs> it, it was all in my mind or uh, it was all just me getting my words jumbled up so I would like to apologise to uh, Scott Bain and and tell everybody out there that the, that the incident never happened um, I would like to thank the contributors uh, my family and my friends uh, for 
standing by me and had, had taken the utter mickey out of me since Saturday at quarter to four. But what I will say, what I will actually say, if Britney Spears can, can survive 2007, I can survive this. I can survive this. I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident I can get to the end of the season. Here. So, yeah, that's out of the way. Now, that's a housekeeper out of the way. Uh, yesterday, for the first time in 1,746 days, another team in Scotland won a trophy. How did that make you feel? Um, I think from a Scottish football point of view, first and foremost, we'll, you know, we'll pay respect to St Johnston for winning the match. Two trophies for them, I think, now in the last sort of decade, which is more than most have won. Um, I think from a Celtic perspective, it should be the kick up the balls that we, that we need. There's that word again. <laughs> um, but I think um, that if that doesn't ignite some sort of fire in them, then there'd be something wrong. You know, I appreciate what the players might be leaving, but the ones like you think like Scott Brown, Cal McGregor's of the world, that would have annoyed them a bit more. Yes, that would have hurt a wee bit seeing that trophy get lifted by a different set of players. And you know they would have been watching. Um, and I hope that that can sort of then transmit into the, the rest of the club the sort of frustrations that a few of them have and get everyone on board and re, you refocus to sort of go back out and start winning trebles again for next season. That's got to be, you know, the goal every year, you know, is win everything domestically and do well in Europe. And obviously we know that it's not, football doesn't work like that, but that should be the goal when seeing other teams like St. Johnston winning yesterday. As I say, fair play to them, um, credit to them. Um, but yeah, that should win Celtic up. I would say as well, I wouldn't get too caught up on the old... Um, video that they posted from the bus. I thought it was good patter. Um, and uh, me and Tony were talking about it last night and, and I says, look, at least they acknowledged the fact it was our trophy. I like the fact that they said we've got your trophy. So there was a backhanded compliment uh, in there, I think, uh, Kev. But aye, to me, that's harmless banter. I'm all for that. We've done we've done loads of pranks on clubs, loads of brilliant banners, loads of Mickey taking. So... I thought that was harmless and fair play to the boys for doing that. And I'm glad that we are undermined, even in their moments of success. That is a good place to be, mate. As long as it wasn't nasty and it didn't bring anything. It, it, was, it was pure football banter. banter. I mean, I was thinking about this this morning um, when I saw some of the Celtic websites having putting it on and making a big deal about it. I'm going, why are you making a big deal about it? But what I was thinking was... Why did they not just join the motorway at Paul Muddy? They actually drove past Celtic Park deliberately to film it. (laughs) (laughs) Because they didn't need to go that way unless they're not watching Paul Muddy. So I'm going, well, which is fair enough. Fair enough. Maybe the bus driver, though, Kev, maybe the bus driver just, you know, that used to attain the trophy parades there in the Celtic way. That's what he, that's what he was just going there in autopilot, you know? That's what normally. Maybe maybe, maybe that's what it was, eh? um, Fair play to St. Johnson. I, I did watch a bit of the game. I actually watched the stream of the game. The, the stream that I was watching was St. Johnson TV. So Stuart, Stuart Cosgrove was the the co-commentator. And the, there wasn't any commentating going on. It was just two punters, two fans oh, yeah. watching the game. And there wasn't any commentating <laughs> going on. Eh? And it, it was actually quite... It was actually quite... The emotion they had at the end of that game was the same emotion that we had when we won the cup, when, when we, when we won the cup yeah. final and that. Now, for a team the size of St. Johnson to become the setting most successful Scottish club in the last decade is actually quite startling. It shows you the, the winds of change that have went through 
the Scottish game. Mm-hmm. Now, us being Celtic, we're in a privileged position that, that we've won four trebles in a row. And, but, but the next one's going to be the best one. I hate the snobbery that's in, involved when you support a big team. When they say, aye, it's not, you get to cup finals, it's not, the t- it's not the same. It is the same. I'm not going to, I hate that snobbery. I'm a football fan. I love getting to cup finals. I love winning. I never get enough of it. It's the same way any football fan. And it kind of annoys me that off the ball, Type when they go that, ah, it doesn't mean it doesn't mean it doesn't mean nothing. It means more to smaller teams when they get to cup final than what it does to Celtic fans. I think that's a load of rubbish. I really I do. I, I it's, it's complete and utter snobbery. But when you look at St. Johnson, um, that they've got one of the smallest budgets in the Scottish Premier League. In the last ten years, they've won two major trophies. They've been to Europe numerous times, and they've had numerous top six, top six finishes. Yeah. If I was a Hearts, a Hubs, an Aberdeen, and even Rangers since since they've got promoted back into the top flight, I'd be going. Wow, especially Aberdeen, because we played Aberdeen on Saturday. Derek McInnes is uh, Derek McInnes is under pressure. So in the last ten years, when Aberdeen have had the second biggest budget in Scottish football, St Johnston have won more trophies than them. What does that say if you were an Aberdeen fan sitting today? I think it's a great uh, it's a great point, and, and to be honest with you as well, I kind of actually thought. You've teed up how yesterday went quite well with that as well because I think you just seen exactly yesterday why Aberdeen haven't won more trophies. Um, other teams that have beat us this season, we were talking about with the Ross County game, they sensed blood um, against Celtic. You know, you, you could tell they went for it, the juggler that second half with the three subs. Aberdeen don't look like a side that just have that belief in themselves to do that. I think, they're, I think they've underachieved massively considering their resources to an extent and certainly in comparison with the likes of St Johnston. Um obviously I still think even though, you know, whatever former Rangers it was in the bottom of the league, I can't board going into all that. But they certainly had um a large budget as well. If not I'm sure they probably had the second largest budget even in the lower leagues. So where's their excuses? And absolutely I think from a Hearts Hibs point of view and all that, they'll be certainly sitting there looking at St Johnston racking up two trophies. Um as a first ever League Cup, I believe it was, and I think it was the first ever Scottish Cup as well in that time. St Johnston have capitalised in the last 10 years on the opportunities that have been there that have came their way. Um, and they've done it against a backdrop of insane Celtic dominance, you know, that has never been seen before. So even more kudos to them for that. And certainly you've got to say if St Johnston can, then why can't, why haven't, you know, the likes of Aberdeen? But for me, Aberdeen yesterday um, showed why they've, that they've not been more successful and had more silverware. I appreciate they made finals. They ran us probably close in that four, first uh, Scottish Cup when the Rogic goal. Um, other than that, I think they, they, they've, they've had a bit of a damp squib of a tenure under McInnes. That is, I think he's had a more. I think he's finished where he should have been finishing with them. Um, no more than that. He's never overachieved there. He's never punched above his weight. And I actually think when you look at the medal count, if there is to become and I'm hoping that there's, it's not going to be like that. But if there is to be the duopoly that comes back in is Scottish football that, you know, perhaps, you know, the, the Celtic board would be quite fanciful of. Um, you hope that, you know, you would have to say, I think Aberdeen have missed the bus a wee bit the last sort of decade. Certainly, I think they've had more than enough chances. And after all the amount of times they've played Celtic, you know, you look at them yesterday and you, 
you do see her side. I mean, okay, second half they came out a bit, but that first half showing against a team with an interim manager having a shocker of a season. Um, you know, John Kennedy said it after the match, you know, Aberdeen are dangerous when they're in your faces and up and at you, basically, to paraphrase them. Um, they were far from that in that first half and, and they let us get a goal ahead, whether it was deflected or not. McKinnis calling it uh, unlucky. Yeah, deflected goals are maybe a wee bit unfortunate, Kev, but let's be completely honest here. Um, there was a goal coming in that first half and I, I just think that they, they, they're excited to me under that management team now. It's obviously it's went past the sell-by date. They're, they don't have that self-belief that, that they should have. And yeah, I think we can all look back. We pride at what Celtics achieved. St Johnston's can certainly look back with a lot of pride in what they've achieved with debut wins in both tournaments. Uh, two out of two, they were never going to win the league during those <laughs> the last decade. So they've ticked their boxes um, with a lot of top six finishes as well. Um, as for the likes of Aberdeen, I'm afraid they better get used to not winning things. I think it'll be a long time till they do as well. Um, when we say if it's an anything to go by. See, for me, yesterday, it ended yesterday. Celtic's dominance ended yesterday. Yesterday was a reset button. As soon as you saw sure. other ribbons on a trophy that went green and white, that was it. That's it over. That, 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 there's no there's no more. This is, a, that, repeat. <laughs> aye, this is a reset button. And... We need to move on. And where do we move on? Where, where do we move on to? I mean, we've seen some great we've seen some great times over the last four years. It's been the most successful period domestically that I've ever had supporting Celtic in my lifetime. In anybody's lifetime, you could probably say it's the most domination that we've had. It is the most domination that we've had domestically in our unbroken history. It's sure. I mean, four trebles in a row. You've got to say where we're sitting at this precise moment in time, it will never be repeated. It will never be repeated because even even at the moment you've got a season where we're not we're not at the races whatsoever. But even the team which is at the races, which are hitting markers which are of a high standard, even then even they can't win a treble. Even they yeah. had one bad game and got and got papped out against St. Murn. Yeah. And that that shows that shows how brilliant we have been in the last four seasons. And I can get where maybe Gordon Stratton was coming from on, on Saturday mm. uh, after the game. I can get it in the language that he maybe used was, wasn't the best, but I can get where he's maybe coming from. And I, and I can also get where the, the club are actually saying, well, we haven't done much wrong in the last decade. And if people that are shouting for a full revamp are maybe not looking at the bigger picture. I do get that. But for me, for the last two years, anyway, we've had the wrong people making the wrong decisions. Mm -hmm. And we now need to bring in guys who can take us forward, can take us to the next level, which is a European level. I'm not going to say John Kennedy's that man, but I had a look at your tweets on... um, Saturday during the game, there was positives in that first half, even though the second half was absolutely rotten. Scott Bain, the gorgeous Scott Bain. (laughs) 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 Came out after the game and says, uh, John Kennedy had told him to play out for the back to try something different. Uh, And I thought that Mm. was noticeable in the first half. What did you think? 
Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I thought the uh, I thought the first half display definitely. I thought there was a nicer tempo to us. Um, I thought that definitely you could tell that there was something had changed. The only thing is that that is very, I was obviously you know on a wee bit of you know on a wee bit of optimism as well because there has been a change in the in the in the management side of things. So you're maybe wanting to see it <laughs> like that's different and they wouldn't have done that before and things like you can't help but look at it like that. That's just. Uh, human nature, you know. Um, I think to compare and contrast, I very much thought the second half was, you know, same old, same old, and, and was very much back to in, in, in keeping with how this season's unfolded. Uh, Kev, to be honest with you, but I first half definitely there seemed to be a slightly different impetus to them. I would call it. Um, speaking of the gorgeous Scott Bain, I mean, if you don't notice the past couple of games as well, I wonder what you think of this. Is it, it's amazing how noticeable it is when a keeper makes a good save. Now, he's made a couple in the last the last uh, two games. Um, one of his near post was very, very good. Um, and then the one over the bar at the weekend uh, early on was a far better save than I think it gets credit for. His reaction time there was top drawer. And you look back over this season, we've rotated keepers three times. You know, the three different goals have been used. You could name on one hand if you were to think about a, a top save that's been made by any of them. We seem to be, whenever we conceded a shot on goal, it was going in, which was really, I mean, as much as the defence has taken a lot of flack this year, um, I happen to think, well, it's okay, there's a lot of them, I suppose if you looked at the, the efforts in isolation, Kev, you could say, well, what's the keeper meant to do with that? It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Did you know that yearly Medicaid renewals will start again soon? This means millions of people who were enrolled in Medicaid during the pandemic may no longer be eligible for coverage. If this may impact you, the good news is you have options. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield can help answer your questions so you can find an affordable health plan for you and your family. We want you to feel confident you're covered. Click to learn more. Policy exclusions and limitations apply. Anthem Blue Cross and Blue Shield is the trade name of Blue Cross Blue Shield Healthcare Plan of Georgia, Inc. What's he meant to do with that? He didn't. But I just think the law of averages, you only need to look across the city. Again, we're talking about them again, but who cares? Alan McGregor, to me, he does save a percentage, a probably very decent percentage, of the ones that you can make a case for him not saving if he didn't. Um, and I think Scott Bain... To be totally fair to him, as I think it's been really, really noticeable um, when big saves have been made. And we're, we're never, ever going to be in a position, right, where we're dominating uh, Scottish football and we're, we're on top and we don't need a keeper making top draw saves still. No matter who the opposition is and no matter how many points clear we are or streets ahead we are with resources, 
you are going to concede chances throughout the season and it's time Celtic started saving them again and Scott Baines doing himself no no harm right now um, between now and the end of the season. I think that's the problem with Barkas. I couldn't tell you if Barkas is a decent goalkeeper or not because I've never because I've never seen him make a save. And even though even though we gave up a chance against Aberdeen on on Saturday, and as you rightly say, we are going to give up chances. Ben yeah. saved it. He made the save when it mattered. You, you can go back to the game. I think it was Cluj. Was it Cluj when the ball went through Ben? But. Yeah, 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 yeah. Was it Cluj? Now, I think that's a problem that we've got. I've seen Hazard make a couple of saves, but he was completely terrible on cross balls. Um, Bain is probably a best of a bad bunch. Or when you're looking at form, Bain's probably the one that's edging it in form. But for for me, we can't. For me, if somebody says to me, "How much money would you would you put on Barca's being a bad goalkeeper?" I said, "I don't think he's a bad goalkeeper because I haven't seen enough of him to actually no. say whether he's a bad goalkeeper or not." He looks like a goalkeeper that's lacking in confidence. But mm-hmm. the club didn't watch him for four years and sign a bad goalkeeper. I know. I, know. I think and, there's a good argument there, but again. Like I say, I mean, when he, he he could probably argue about all the ones he's not saved that, that, that went in and said, look, what was I meant to do with that? I think there was one that in particular, though, he'd probably hold his hands up. Remember the one um, European match? My memory's terrible with stuff like this, but it was a uh, El Hamed just didn't put his foot and just tracked back with the boy. And then that finish, I thought, was OK. He's closing it on goal, but it was a tame, a tame attempt by Barkas, that one. But I think... I just expect when it's a five million international keeper, you'd have thought, yes, yeah, okay, you could argue for the ones that he's not saved all day long. You could say, well, that was that was almost impossible. That was, a, but I need them to still save 20, 20%, 20%, 30% of those. That's the difference. That's how when you, if you ever listen to any of the radio shows, Barry Ferguson must say it once every couple of weeks about McGregor. He says 12 to 15 points a season, that guy earns the club. And that is 12 to 15 points that, you're not due to win, if you know what I mean. They're getting one because the keeper's doing something out of the ordinary. Um, and like I said, I just thought I wanted to bring that up today, that I just thought, past couple of matches, there was one at the near post that Bain saved, I think it was against Ross County, a really, really good save. Um, and then that one against uh, Aberdeen at the weekend, I just thought, you know, it's quite, it's sad in a way that it's refreshing to see that. But again, I would just give him the gloves between now and the end of the season because he's going to be the one that's more confident. Um and again, I suppose another positive, because I'm trying to be positive today, you know that, as I said earlier on, it's another clean sheet. It's another mm-hmm. clean sheet in the bank, which we have had a lot more of, of uh, in the past sort of month or so than what we had all season. There they go. I'm, I'm thinking that we've maybe got a, a, a KT case here in the goalkeeping situation. The three goalkeepers that have played this season are replacing probably the best Celtic goalkeeper a lot of us have ever seen, as in Big Fraser Foster. Yep. So it was always going to be a step down or the standards were going to be really, really high to live, to live up to. If you can hear banging, my next door neighbour's getting some work done and obviously the guy who's wearing a 32 red uh, T-shirt has decided that I'm, because I'm live, he's going to start banging. <laughs> can you know? Well, I can hear no. it. So ho- hopefully, 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 the viewers and listeners can hear it. Um, so I reckon that the three goalkeepers are struggling because they're replacing Big Fraz. 
I, I do think that's a, I do think that's a, I do think that's an element why we've been so harsh on the goalkeepers this season. I had to, I had to laugh there when you when you says <laughs> he would hold his hands up. Well, if he would have held his hands up, he maybe would have saved a couple, <laughs> especially the, especially the Connor Goldson header <laughs> the first derby game at Celtic Park. Eh? Um, I think there's a future for Barkas. I can't. I can't see us. No, I can't see us jettison a five million pound goalkeeper who's came to a new country in the middle of a pandemic mm. and has struggled to settle. I can't. I can't see him. I can't see the club cashing in. Um, I can see him still being there next season and getting a uh, getting a decent pre-season with whoever the new man's going to be um, to prove himself. He's a Greek and an Ascos. You, you <laughs> I find the total opposite. Total opposite. I know. I don't like disagreeing with you, Kev. This is what we're here for. But I, I, I don't. I think you'll be gone in the summer. I think you'll be one of the first departures. Um, I think. It, I think it has been, you know, difficult circumstances for anyone to be coming in from abroad. But that's the market we chose to go into. Um, he was well aware of what he was doing. I appreciate he's got experience in the Champions League, and, and actually, I just don't think it's worked. Um, I still believe right now he'll be looking um, from an international career standpoint um, and also from a playing games perspective. He's entering the peak years of his career. He's 26, 27 now. You know, you go into your late 20s, early 30s as a keeper, you need to be playing every week. Um, I think he would still would have good enough stock in Greece to get a move back there to probably one of the top three or four clubs. Um, if he spends another year at Celtic on the current sort of plight that he's in right now, not playing matches, out of the whole squad altogether, which I think is really poignant right now. He's not even on the bench. Um, I, I, I happen to think his, his racers run um, at Celtic. For whatever reason, it's not worked, and I think they'll cut the losses. So two different perspectives on that one. <laughs> I, I really don't. I think it's a case of simple economics. I don't think a Greek team will give us enough money to take him back for what we would lose. Um, and, and I think Celtic will give him and Ayeti as well the summer to prove themselves. I can't see Celtic cashing in on the two the two big-name signings because of the circumstances of this season, i.e. both of them arriving to a new country. And, well, mm-hmm. obviously, obviously Ayeti's came up from uh, London, but there's still a settling in time and trying to get players to settle in during this period has probably been extremely difficult. And then you've had the rumoured dressing room problems as well. I'll do the Neil Lennon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, you've had the rumour dressing room problems, so I, I can't see us. I can't see us getting ready both of them in the summer. I do. I do feel that both of them have maybe still got a part to play in the future under whoever that's whoever's that going to be. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think um, as well with Ayeti, the only thing that concerns me with him is the fact that it did seem to be the narrative at the time. From my memory, did seem to be that this was very much a Neil Lennon signing. Um, I think we all we all remember it was the the, the convincing was done by him one to one with Ayeti, um, and I think Neil Lennon had to persuade the board because they wanted to do a loan deal. Is that right? And Ayeti didn't want to, and uh, they forked out the money there. So you wonder if that was really your ally, was the manager. He didn't exactly show much faith back to Ayeti, who we need to remember had an electric start to his Celtic career. Whilst he was only sporadic, maybe uh, performing. Uh, uh, sporadic performances he was putting in because he was only on limited times each games and things like that. Um, his goal return was like six in his first seven appearances. Um, a goal every 43 minutes or something like that, I remember being 
I'm sort of bandied about. So he's certainly got it in him, but he needs someone who's going to put their arm around him and back him to the tilt. Um, I thought it was very interesting that John Kennedy was obviously watching uh, all season firsthand. He's at close quarters with the players. He knows the group as well as Lennon does, if not better, because he's actually worked with them even longer, um, the nucleus of that team. Um, and he's obviously been really taken by Klamala because he installed him ahead of Yeti, uh, Ayeti and Griffiths into the first team right from the off. Now, Klamala, I would say, is probably longer since he started the game than either Ayeti or Griffiths. I could be wrong because I'm terrible with stuff like that, but from my memory, I'm pretty sure they both started at least one, if not a couple of games since Klamala last started one. And yet here's Kennedy, first game, looking to make an impression, and it's Klamala he opted for. That suggests to me that in training, he does like what he sees from him. Um, I think, you know, Lennon was out praising his attitude at the start of the season. We all were, because, I mean, he, he got nicknamed the Tank, remember, as well, after the goal at McDermott Park, which I don't want him just to be remembered for. I like he, I liked his attitude full stop. I think he works hard. I think he's very raw in terms of his, his ability-wise. I think you only need to look at it, yeah, he's touching things like that when he's, he's got reasonable match fitness and he does look maybe a more slicker footballer. Um, but I certainly think Klamala's effort, work rate, purpose, um, I think he'll give Celtic everything when he plays. So, you know, I thought it was quite interesting that Kennedy picked him ahead of a Yeti um, at the weekend. I'm having a look at some of the comments here. Paul, producer Paul is in the background um, and we are going to get it set up so I can bring up the comments eventually. Uh, so... Cinco, the uh, usual, uh, usual commentator, says, God, the Tony miss is heartbreaking. Um, with Stephen McGowan's story last week, Ivan Tony was in the building and was allowed to leave. Tony's... Strange on that, eh? It's a strange... The more, look, the more you look back at that one, the more bizarre that looks. I mean, this wasn't one that was, um, you know, speculation or rumour. That's been blown out the water now by Stephen McGowan. Um, with that, you know, that comment there. And he is in the know, you can tell for whatever reason, I don't know, but everyone, he seems to be the go-to guy when he confirms a story, it tends to be gospel. Mm-hmm. He's pulled that one out of, you know, out of nowhere. And yet everyone believes it straight away, including myself. I mean, I've got no reason to doubt what he's saying. Um, I just think, you know, if he was that close to signing, what's been the hold up there? Was that another case of having to do the same thing as what they did with Ayeti and Lennon in the bed for the funds? Did we try to sign him on loan? Or what? I mean, what? Are we trying to sneak sneak by for shape five hundred thousand pounds off the fee? Um, was one of the other rumours I've seen. I mean, what's the stuff like that needs to stop? You know, it really does. I think you know the manager deserves respect, whoever they are, and whether people agreed that it should have been Neil Lennon last summer or not. The fact is, that he was, and Neil Lennon deserved massively the respect of both the board, who were not shy in coming out when they first appointed Neil Lennon. He has an eye for a player. That was Lovell's own words. If that's the case, then he deserved the back in there to go, it's Ivan Tony that I want. It's Ivan Tony that we're going to get. Um, it does frustrate you when you hear stuff like that. It was a, um, especially when you combine it with the season that he's having at Brentford. I'm going to say something here. I reckon Ivan Tony wasn't signed because we never signed, we never sell, we never sold French Eddie. That's, that's my reckoning. Because it would have cost, I think he signed for Brentford for round about nine million pounds. 
eventually, even though we, yeah. uh, even though Stephen McGowan says we could have gotten for six. Um, like yourself, I didn't do any research, so I'm just going by memory there. If when I start <laughs> think, when I start thinking about things, I say things like I say on Saturday, so it's better, <laughs> it's better for me not to actually just let my subconscious <laughs> come out. So I, I reckon the reason that we never got Tony was because we never sell any. Now that's, oh, yeah. that's I, I think that's the only reason that uh, Tony is not a Celtic player. And then again, we're, we're actually having a look at what he's done doing at Brentford. They might have not done that up here. They might have been ranked rotten up here as well. Like, like Ayeti. We're all just going, oh, that's a missed opportunity. Is this generation Stephen Fletcher for me? He's just wondering we're going to look back on what, what might have been. Brian McGinley, also mm-hmm. in the on you go, on you go. Aye, sorry, I'm just going to quickly say as well, and obviously I think that the, the fickle nature of football fans, I mean, if your theory's right there, uh, Kev, right, and we did sign him, only, the only way he was signing was if French Eddie was leaving. How do you pitch that one that we're signing the strikers from League One to replace the French under-21 record goal scorer who just cost 30 million quid or whatever the fee would have been? Um, I think you're absolutely right. That would have been, you know, he would have been starting off from a real negative um Base, so yeah, you're right. I mean, it is all if buts and maybe's with regard to that. You're signing a guy for League One for the same money you signed Eddie from from PSG. Yeah, you can see the headline. Brian McGinley in the comments says, "Ayeti should be given a bit more time. There's no doubt he has to do more." And Matthias Faction says, "Ayeti as a poacher, our current style of play doesn't suit him." What do you That's think? That's a great point. Brilliant, brilliant point. I think I, I agree firstly with that. Yeah, he deserves more time. I am in no way, shape, or form advocating um, him to leave the club. Um, I think you've got to compare players like Ayeti and El Yunusi with who were the most successful at. Now, for me, the Swiss League is a like for like with the Scottish. I think there's a couple of really good teams, maybe a, a couple more, maybe below the top two there, there's a wee bit more strength than what we've got in Scotland. But I would say it's a tit for tat sort of, it's a comparable league, isn't it? And if they put a lot of joy in that sort of league, I would like to think they would come to Scotland and have a lot of joy in our league as well with us. Um, and certainly, you know, El Yunusi and Ayeti, again, without any stats, but I think had some pretty decent success um, in European um, terms as well with, with, with FC Bal. So I think uh, Ayeti certainly I've not given up on. And in terms of the style of play, it's a brilliant point because Celtic just don't put enough crosses in the box. Um, I don't know if crosses have been banned from the training ground because we can't defend them and we didn't put them in. Um, I, I appreciate Edward, it's not his style at all. But to counter that, we sign players that, you know, it, it, they don't play the same style as Eddie. So I don't understand why, you know, I think Eddie was getting spoke about on the on the, uh, on the the pod over the weekend. He tried to dribble the ball and he's into the net, I think, at times, you know. Um, I would like to see us get the ball out wide, wide more often and get... Like I get I mean Griffiths loves that as well. How many headers have you seen Lee Griffiths score? Woods. Um and Clamala. I don't know if that'd be his game if you prefer running the channels and things like that, but it's straight. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Kitchen defenses, but yeah, it'd be nice to see Ayeti on the end of some crosses because I think his finishing is his key weapon. Um, and I've seen nothing to change my mind on that. Even the goal, it was at Rugby Park the other week. Excellent finish, a proper striker's goal. Um, so yeah, would I agree that he's a poacher and would I agree he needs more time? Totally. David Boyle in the comments says to get the best out of Ayeti we need proper wingers in the team I love a Celtic team with wingers I think that's in a tradition that we play with wide players mm-hmm. who excite the fans and also Bromsgove Boy a regular commenter as well all our forwards are starred of service due to the formation back to front and I think that's a nail on the head whoever's going to be in charge of us this season will be watching us Next, I'm sorry, whoever's going to be in charge of us next season will be watching us, and that'll one. That's how I reckon that everybody will get a chance because we've had a formation and a lack of identity this season, which has completely failed for back to front. And yeah. and and even though the, the 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 coach will be watching them, and he'll maybe have in his mind what he wants to do, it will only be until he gets on the training ground and he sees what these guys can actually offer him that they'll make the decision. So I don't think you'll see any rash transfers apart from the players who want to leave in the summer. And I, and I can't see Ayeti and Vargas being in that group. But about the centre-forwards, I can't see Kamala leaving. Now, you mentioned before Kamala got the nod. That was a surprise to see his name starting on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I want I want to talk about one thing that he done. No, he's miss because he probably should have scored that. But I'm going to put that down. He was that surprised he got a cross into the box, a decent cross for a fullback <laughs> in the box. Um, but what about his ball to Eddie when he actually the reverse pass when he didn't look and he and he, and he knew where Eddie was. Uh-huh. I, looked, I looked at that and I says I think Kennedy's actually went for two strikers that have got two different styles. Mm-hmm. Because you noticed Ayeti was coming deep to try and get involved because he's not getting balls into the box. Mm-hmm. Eddie drops deep, he drops wide. Kamala stands on the last man. Yeah. And, he put, and, he, and he's a bit more physical than Eddie as well. So I reckon that's why we might see Kamala more often going forward. Yeah, and what, what was nice, I mean, it was a deft touch and I thought, obviously, it's, a, it's the awareness. Um, to think, and, and it's the creativity to be thinking of passes like that. And I think we're all guilty of this. You just start, you start with like subconsciously labeling players or what you associate them with, you know. And I definitely, you know, I'll admit it, I think I've got Clamala down as a workhorse. Do you know what I mean? Who maybe lacks. But I, when you cast your mind back to that pass and you're going, well, there was a football brain there to come up with that, first and foremost, to execute it, different class. Um, it's not something I would ever have associated with them, though. And I don't know if that's because. You're only seeing these guys in fits and starts as well. There has to be an argument for that, um, Kev, because none of the players are getting a consistent run. Okay, Lee Griffiths, we know all his attributes, his pros and cons, 100%, because he's been there so long. But I think with Ayeti and Klamala, neither of them have had that run that a striker needs, that 10 games in a row where they're fully up to speed, comfortable in how the team sets up, comfortable with a regular partner and playing naturally, shall we say. We've never seen either of them like that. So 
whilst it's uh, surprising when, and notable when Clamalla does something like that, it's probably a bit unfair on him in a way that I, I, I was so sort of pleasantly, obviously, but pleasantly surprised because, you know, these guys, you just, you only see them for these 20-minute cameos, 10-minute cameos, and before you know it, you've got assumptions in your head of the style and the type of player and what their ability limits are as well to what they're, you know, what, what, they're, what they're capable of. And I think, yeah, I think Clamalla is a really poignant, I, I hope, I like him as well. There's something about him that is likable as a player. He seems to, he took COVID, the situation, really seriously. And I think he warmed to, to everyone on the back of that. He took his, he took it seriously. He came back bigger and, you know, fitter than ever. Um, obviously, in stark contrast to someone else that, that you're know, buying for his position. We don't need to go into that, though. It's a positive, no. positive vibes, positive vibes. Um, but I think there's a real likability to him when he's on the part. He does seem to have a bit of desire about him and, you know, for Kennedy to be picking him like that, I'm not saying that Kennedy's going to get everything right, but I just thought it was quite a poignant move that that was the first sort of big change Kennedy wanted to make was reintroducing him. And I like to see him get a run now. But we've said that about a year, two weeks ago, we were all saying we wanted to get a run. We, we know, I know, I know we did. Robert J in the in the comments says Kamala is a poor man's Harold Bratpack. Look, Harold had a great record in the Champions League before we signed him, yeah. and it, look, he just didn't fit our style of play. That's that's yeah. sometimes that sometimes happens to um, that sometimes happens when players come to clubs. The clubs just didn't fit their style of play, or the coach doesn't fit them. And and I think sometimes you're right. We are harsh on players. Now, you make your mind up subconsciously. I think though as well, you're not even meaning to be harsh. You've just already you've built these uh, your associated labels without actually meaning to care. Do you know what I mean? It's, if it is, and it, th- then it is harsh. Yeah, but not not. I'm not deliberately harsh, if you know what I mean. <laughs> it's when you say his workhorse there, he's, he's, a, he's an upfront workhorse. I could only picture the Polish Stevie May for some strange <laughs> bizarre reason there. Um, he doesn't go to hair or nothing, but just the way he's even like that wee, that wee like, shoulders out, barging about yeah. style. He has yeah. got a bit of Stevie May about him, but hopefully he's far better than what Stevie May is. When you're getting back to fitness or running the team in that, um, it's George Connolly's birthday today, and the, the, there was George Connolly, who my dad rates as a, the best footballer he's ever seen at Celtic. Wow! I, 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 I obviously I'm not as old as my dad, and I never saw George play. But I was fortunate enough to be in George's company, okay. and he was and he, and he was talking about fitness, and he says in the when he played late sixties, early seventies, it took you six or seven day, games to get match fit. He says, and he went, you look at the game today, the pace of the game is far, far quicker than what it was what, what it was back then. So are we judging these guys harshly? Are we judging these boys to come off the bench and get up to the speed of the game where you've got a professional football player telling you that 50 years ago it was six, seven games before you got match fit? No, that's a great so, point as well. Brilliant. So, so are we now looking at as maybe 10, 12, 13 games to get match fit? Match fit? Well, if, there's, if that is the case, there's only, you know, certain people who are going to know that for sure. And that would be why you've got a sports science department, why you've got an array of fitness coaches and coaches and all that at every club. Um, it's up for them to decide, decide for that. And if so, to be sort of giving them the manager advice on where each player is in terms of their, their fitness journey, if you like. 
and whether they're capable of doing that many games in a row or whether they're going to need that many games to see the real them. I would like to think that that's getting put, uh, passed on to the manager on a daily basis, probably, um, where the fitness levels are. Because we know everything's, everything's tracked right now, Kev, you know, to the to the kilometre, less than to the centimetre that they cover. Um, but on the fitness side of things, it is... I'm not sure if, again, it's this labelling thing I'm discussing that we were maybe... I felt so... It looked like they ran out of fizz. They, they, like, I don't know. They just seem to... That second half just it got a bit, got a bit tame. They looked like they, they, their energy levels had dropped. I'm not saying they were sapped of energy, but we've conceded an almighty amount of goals after the 70th minute or in the second half, whatever you want, to, whatever way you want to look at it. Now the manager's not there anymore. You've got a new intern manager. We've seen in the first half a new impetus to the side, a fresh sort of um, sort of buzz about them, um, looking like they. Wanted to be more creative, more in the front foot, like like they've been in the past. And then that second half seemed very much, you know, sort of in tandem how the rest of the season's gone. Um, with with I think fitness being, you know, something I was thinking to myself anyway. I don't know about everyone else. Is that the reason for the sudden drop off? Is it because Aberdeen are playing more positively, and I'm not giving them enough credit, or is it because it's happened so often this season? Is there a concern about the general fitness? And if so, that would then back up the point that why are the subs struggling so much to when they come on to have an impact in their 20 minutes? If the whole general squad fitness has dropped, then perhaps that even makes it an even, an even taller order for someone who's only played 20 minutes the midweek, 10 minutes the Saturday before, 20 minutes the game before that. That is making it harder and harder for them to come on to, as you say, football matches that are going at 100 miles an hour and to have that impact and to get to grips with it. Um, I certainly think there's an argument our general fitness as a squad could be improved. And that is me just looking at it, though, from, from my, my perspective. I could be completely wrong. There could be loads of spreadsheets and anal, uh, analysis that proves that point long. But to the naked eye, it does come across like that. It does. And it was quite interesting to hear John Kennedy after the game actually say that. He says the fitness went in the second half. And that's worrying. It's worrying that the interim manager uh, is saying that. There was a lot of guys on Saturday expected Kennedy to make big, big changes. I didn't think that was going to happen. I I think John knows that people are seeing this as an eight-game audition. I don't see it as an audition. I think John knows that he's, he's not one of the candidates to get the job next season. I don't think. I think he knows that. I think the Celtic board know that he's been he's going to be tainted with this season. But he's going to be always remembered with this this season. And he's not a big enough sell to the Celtic support who are who are out there going, I'm not going I'm, I'm not going to renew a season ticket unless there's major changes. And I don't think Kennedy's in the thinking of the Celtic board. Now, Sean Maloney was on sports scene uh, on Saturday night, or uh, it was Saturday night, it was Saturday night, and he says, when asked about the Celtic job, Sean says, um, he sidestepped the question, Mm -hmm. uh, obviously he sidestepped the question, Uh, he says Celtic need a quick decision, uh, and they need a decision that will unite the fan base, and John Kennedy's not that decision. As soon as he says that, I, in my back of my mind, I'm going, well, John Kennedy's not, not that 
not that choice. Stephen Ray commented on Saturday that uh, that Roberto Martinez is on £1.3 million a year at Belgium. Mm -hmm. He's not on the £12 million Rafa Benitez money. He's not even on the Sean Dyche money. He's not even on anybody else in the English Premiership money. He's on £1.3 million a year, which is seven hundred grand less than than we paid Brendan Rodgers. And also... Seemingly five hundred thousand pound more than we were paying Neil Lennon. So to get Roberto Martinez is not going to be a money problem. For me, to get Roberto Martinez, the problem is timing, is because he's at the Euros and because the World Cup is a year later. So when people go, why why are you saying Martinez? Why are you saying Martinez? You kind of get that's all down to money. For me, Martinez is not down to money. His wages at Belgium prove that's not going to be down yep. to money. It's going to be down to timing. And I think that's the same with Maloney. What do you think about that? You done a poll last night on Twitter. Mm-hmm. No, um, definitely. And I mean, obviously, I just picked the top four names on on Skybets. There are other bookmakers out there gamble responsibly. But I mean, I uh, I had a look at um, the top four names and just put them as the poll, just to sort of gauge what everyone thought. Um, I think it got over two thousand votes, which is amazing. And the debate, I've got to be honest to you, folk haven't seen it on the Twitter. Have a look at the debate on it because there's so many good reasons people gave for each case that they were making. Do you know what I mean? It was fantastic. There was a lot of love um, for Martinez, and there was talk about money and things like that in one of the comments, and that he's not paid as much as you might think. Uh, I think Martinez has definitely been linked previously for a reason. I think that there is definitely a chance of him managing Celtic at some point. I think it is more of the sporting side of things that you're referring to, Kev, that will count against Celtic more. Um, he's, as we were saying last week, you know, he's got a Scottish wife. Um, so moving back to Scotland would not be something that would be as ridiculous moving to Scotland from the from the Belgian job. That's what it might be, you know, to, to the outside looking in. Um, I certainly think as well, money-wise, I didn't. I wasn't surprised when I seen his Belgium salary. I mean, how much money can the Belgian FA just have to be paying, you know, China wages to Benitez and things? I, I didn't think that was realistic. They seem to, they seem to invest their money in youth football, <laughs> producing mm-hmm. world-class players. Um, I think though, with it, on the sporting side of things, the Euro is being just so close. Um, and then, and obviously with this wave of optimism that, you know, the vaccinations and that going round, that there is now renewed optimism that the Euros will happen. I was quite sceptical, to be honest with you, a couple of months ago. Um, and then obviously, like you say, it also then means there's only one more year to hang in and do the World Cup qualify for that and make a real stab at trying to win that. Remember, they're not going there to make up the numbers. I mean... Then, if you were to say, I mean, the Euros, I think they're probably the favourites, if not second favourites behind France. The World Cup, they'll be in the top three or four favourites. Imagine Belgium winning a World Cup, that being on your CV. You walk into the Barcelona job after that, the Real Madrid job, Manchester United, City, any of those jobs, if they've got a vacancy, would take the World Cup winning manager of Belgium. That's not over-exaggerated in the slightest. I've seen a lot of comments talking last night that he wouldn't be able to walk into any, any job Ronald Koeman's currently the manager at Barcelona. Um, I think his previous job had been a spell in charge of Holland, where I don't think he'd done very well at all. Um, I don't think there'd be any, you know, I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest, even after the Euros, if Martinez was at somewhere like Barcelona. 
Um, I certainly think Celtic, Tony makes this brilliant, simple point, I think, every time he's on. And he just says, ask the question. Ask the It's so simple. And it really resonated with me when he, when he said it a few weeks ago. He goes, that's all I want them to do is ask the question. And like I said to you last week, if we're looking at managers, I want us to start at the very top of that list of potential candidates that are financially you know, going to be realistic. Ask them the question and then work our way down from there. Do your homework on the managers. Get an ambitious list out there that is might seem far-fetched and might seem silly, whether it's you know a lot of love in the, the, the Twitter poll for uh, Ralph Rangnick as well. Um, he was getting a lot of comment. One that I wasn't as familiar with was... Uh, Maresca, I know that he's been linked to, we were talking about it last Monday, that he'd been sort of mentioned. I still don't, don't know enough about him, but I think he fits the model. But I, I would like to see Celtic go all out and you know pick up the phone. It's all you're doing, realistically. No, right, OK, no worries, we've tried. Look yourself in the mirror and know that you've done everything you can to, to, to create the best version of Celtic. And the best version of Celtic has the best possible manager there. If we've not asked that best possible candidate, then we're not playing. We're not playing. Um, we're not playing this sport the right way. And it is a sport. We talk about the business side too much about football. You know, in Celtic, it is a sport. Um, I want the best football manager in there. Do you know what I mean? You're spot on, Russell. Absolutely spot on. But when you ask a question, you've got to be serious when you're asking the question. That's a good point, yeah. it's, it's not like going to, going to the, the nicest lassie in the nightclub, knowing full well that you're going to get a notebook, but, but you're not going in there serious. So if you're going to ask uh, Roberto Martinez or, 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 a, or a Benitez, right? You're going to ask Benitez. You need to go, go, I, we know that you get £5 million a year and we are going to pay you that. You just kind of go in there and go, are you interested in, in managing Celtic, Rafa? Oh, I am. I'm interested in managing Celtic, Rafa. Well, it's 800 grand a year, and Rafa just tells you to bolt out the door. You have to yeah, be no. serious when you ask. You have to be serious when you're going in to ask just, that. that as well, just in total agreement with that. And I think as well, you've got to go with a vision. And you've got to explain what, what it is, where you, your hopes and aspirations for Celtic to be are, and why the, the guy that you're speaking to on the phone is the right man to achieve them. I want mm-hmm. tools we're going to give you to get there as well. Um, and also, whoever this manager is, they have to be given more more grip of the reins. I know we're never going to go back to days, I don't think, but it's going to be the full manager has complete control from top to bottom. I get football's moved on from there, but they need a far bigger grip of the reins than what Neil Lennon it seems to be. And for all of Neil Lennon's failings... Um, and yes, he did know what he was signing up for, so my sympathy levels only go to a certain extent. Um, but he definitely was working with one hand tied behind his back, not having picked his own um, background team. We cannot keep going, firstly, for managers who accept that, because then you know they're not of the calibre caliber required. And secondly, we cannot think that a manager is going to, whoever it is, is going to be able to do the job to the best of their ability with a background team they didn't pick. It's just not on. No, you're right there. Uh, I, I think the what we'll see the director of football next for me. I think you'll see the director of football before the season's out. Um, then we'll see where we go. I think the director of football appointment will actually give you the level of head coach appointment that we're going to get, get yeah. that we're going to get. Now, we mentioned Twitter. 
and there, there's an account on Twitter that you that you put in the group chat, uh, which is rumoured to be linked to Dermot Desmond. And Sorry. now, so my my take on things on Twitter is I always go in with the opinion it's a guy sitting in his underpants and his mom's house drinking monster. And all these in-the-know accounts that someday... Do, do you remember the episode of Still Game when the guy wanted Empire Biscuits and he starts shouting at his mother? He starts shouting at his mother at the bus stop. He <laughs> uh, wanted Jump Yums or Empire Biscuits. I can't remember what it is. I always picture these in-the-know guys on Twitter as being that guy. So when they get it wrong, I'm no disappointed. But the guy, okay. but the guy on Twitter who's meant to be close to Desmond or as one of Desmond's sons, which someday sloughed out, it says that the name for the Celtic job hasn't been mentioned yet. And it's an experienced manager who has had experience in the, the British game, but is currently not working in Britain. And that got me thinking. It got me thinking. They're going like what are they doing in the background that we don't know? I've says for weeks. I've says for weeks now that Desmond's huddle of trust is so tight that I don't think anybody knows what Celtic are doing until they've done it and until they they're that until they, they they give it to a journalist and go right. This is what we're doing, and that got me thinking. They they think all these names are how. Your Benitez and that are just far too obvious, and Celtic are sitting there laughing at us, going, ah, you're going to be really surprised when we pull this rabbit out of the hat. Well, I hope so. And, you know, as I've said before, my biggest doubts with Celtic has been do they have that foresight, that, that, that ability to pre plan properly? Um, because what we've seen in the last couple of years has been off the cuff, it's just been on the hoof, you know what I mean? Doing things. Spontaneously, making things seem amateur hour, um, just so far removed from what we've been used to earlier on in this decade that St Johnston have dominated with us. Um, I think, I mean, to be honest with you, if they pull a rabbit out of the hat and it's something for us to get excited about, and it's none of the names on the list, I don't care. If they say it's the best possible candidate, their go to guy, their first choice, this is it. Um, then brilliant. That'll be amazing. That, that's all we can ask for, that, that, that they are future planning. Uh, but Celtic have no right to um, be frustrated if the fans are a wee bit edgy on it because, you know, what the evidence that we've got the last couple of years has not given us waves of optimism that they're going to, you know, pull this rabbit out of the hat. And I want to be proved wrong on that. Of course I do. I would absolutely love that to be the case, Kev. I, would, I want it to be the case as well. And since we've hit the reset button, we may as well be positive and believe that is the case mm. <laughs> and just believe that they've got somebody who we're not actually thinking about. Somebody it's complete and utterly interesting experience, which is makes, makes us going to sit back and go, wow. Or either that is Paul Lambert and we're all just going to be annoyed and crab it and for the following season. Scott Brown came back into the side on Saturday. And he made he's been making points about speaking to Peter Wall regarding a new contract next season, um, and he wants the the rumor is they want to get it done before the season ends. What would you think about that? That the club captain staying for the new man coming in? I think it's to me it's more important than ever now that Scott Brown stays. Um, 
I think if we'd done what we needed to do this year, won the 10 in a row, Scott Brown could go play out another couple of years, perhaps at Hibs or something like that, or get his move to Australia if he'd wanted to do that, or if he wanted to hang up the boots, going to the coaching um, staff. I think now Scott Brown's it's essential now, basically, that we keep him for at least one more year as part of that first-team squad. He is going to be so key. He's more key going into this season than he could ever have imagined being and going into next season because you're going to have a new management team. He's going to be... Because I'm not convinced Kennedy will want to stay on again as, as doing the assistant thing. Now he's been a boss for eight games. Once he's had a taste for it, I think he will now probably look in the summer to, to, to get another gig somewhere else. He can he stay on as the assistant if we want the head coach to, her, to appoint his own backroom staff? I I, I, I do believe that John Kennedy will still be at Celtic next season, but will be part of the development setup. I do. I, I, that's where I think I'll, you will see him as head of the development setup. Well, well. Anyway, the point. I'm, the point. I mean, is I just think as they go to between a lot of the new players coming in to explain what the standards are to be set, to explain what Celtic's all about. I think Scott Brown's so vocal. With all the new signings, even, you know, whether they're the foreign and they've never even heard of Celtic, you know, obviously they've heard of Celtic, but you know what I mean. Um, I think he's so important to that integration. And I think because the level of changes are going to be so wholesale that we see throughout the squad this year, he, to me, is the guy that he's almost like the glue now, you know. Um, and I think he's someone who can be good, at, good in the manager's year as well um, and help him bed in. Also, hopefully we'll have a strong enough character who doesn't need to bed in. Um, but, you know, I think Brendan Rodgers, even when he took over, flew Scott Brown down to London for a chat and a dinner or whatever. Um, I certainly think he would be an asset um, to whoever it is that comes in. And, yeah, if, if there is talk that he is going to do a new deal, I'm all for it, Kev, all for it. You would hope the new man is is already doing his homework and he'll speak to guys like Brendan Rodgers, he'll speak to Neil Lennon. He won't speak to Neil Lennon. The, the yeah. man who's coming in will, will speak to Neil Lennon, he will speak to Brendan Rodgers, he will speak to other people at the club. And they, they will only have good things to say about Scott Brown. And whoever the new head coach is will know that he needs Scott Brown around for this transition because it is going to be a transition. And maybe Brown's legs are going, but his mentality is not. And I think we need his mentality in the dressing room going forward. Uh, we'll just we'll just start wrapping up because that's has been on for fifty seven minutes, which is unbelievable. Um, fun, we've spoken about the strikers earlier on. Did you see the goal Bio scored for Toulouse at the weekend? No. Right. no. You'll see it described as an absolutely great run, great pace. Oh, he finished well. Yes, I'm going to I'm going to give the headline writers that he did finish well. But the only reason he finished well was because his first touch was absolutely atrocious and <laughs> took him a different direction what he actually wanted to go. <laughs> I, 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 saw, I saw it yesterday and, and the, some of the Celtic sites were, were going, oh, it's, it's brilliant. It's, you should see his touch. You, sh- you should see this. You should see that. And I'm like, so I'm watching it going, it's a, it's a long ball through and he tries to control the ball on his knee. And he's trying to put it in front of him. It hits his knee and shoots to the left-hand side, thus causing the goalkeeper to fall on his butt. And and that's the only reason that he scores. Uh, and I'm going, no, he, he took a bad touch. But seemingly he scored five goals in six games or something like that. No, 
Um, so he's another one that is going to be back in the building. We've got Jack Hendry to come back in the building as well, mm-hmm. who, who seemingly posted on Instagram uh, a photo of him and Kieran Tierney celebrating in front of the Celtic support uh, Aberdeen. Maybe that means he's going to Leicester. Maybe uh, Arsenal. Maybe that means he's going to Arsenal. Where did that, where did that, Leicester, where did that Leicester slip up comfy uh, there? Um, we may as well do a wee bit of self promotion. Definitely, mate. Definitely. Definitely. Tomorrow night, me and Russell are going to return at half past six with a new old show called Screamer Celica, where it's it's a show that's going to deal in nostalgia. And uh, and we look at what happened with... Axon's got a massive uh, library of back catalogue, Celtic views, Celtic programmes, Celtic fanzines. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a look at one of those weeks, look at the interviews in it, have a look at the games round about that time, and have a look at music it was out round about that time, and just basically kick the living daylights out it. Let's have a let's have a re, re, reverse and I'll look at it and let's say was that really good? What are our memories playing tricks on it? <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be doing the usual revisionism about. Oh, he wasn't a bad player either, actually. He was underrated. That's, of what, that's course. what happened, right? <laughs> of, co- uh, of course, revisionism. Well, I can't say that. That revisionism is brilliant. It's what we love on. Nostalgia is what we love on. Especially, totally. especially, especially this season. Nostalgia is what we love on. So we're going to be at half past six tomorrow night. So um, we'll try and keep it quite um, topical as well. Well, maybe, it'll be like a wee time machine we're going in a wee Celtic time machine mate Do you know what I mean? a, De- a, De- a DeLorean a green and white DeLorean like the ones <laughs> that, like that car went, we're on a green and white DeLorean and we're going to go back to the future and we're going to go to Twin Pines and uh, <laughs> stuff like that I'm, li- I'm liking that I- I'm actually I- I'm liking that so that's tomorrow night at half past six so Russell what album are you going to be speaking about tomorrow night so tomorrow, I looked at the top 10 albums. Um, well, obviously, you know, I was what, when this game was, I was just in high school, I think. So I am going to be doing a album. I had a lot of singles out at the time that was obviously used to listen to the charts because there were some good bands. So um, we are going to be listening to Performs and Cocktails and Stereophonics, um, which will take me back to... I don't know, sort of a good period of my life. Um, aye, a lot, of, a lot of memorable songs that still get sung at festivals today that have stood the test of time, certainly in a in a sort of transmit tea in the park sort of way anyway. Right. Uh, you're going to need to try and convince me to listen to that album, by the way. So, you, <laughs> so you're going to need to try and convince me to listen to it. Uh, the album that I'm going for is a album by a guy called Ghostface Killer, and it's called Supreme Crime Tell. No, Ghostface was a member of the uh, the Wu Tang Clan, so I'm going to try and get Russell to listen to that as well. <laughs> uh, so that's that, so that's tomorrow night at half past six. So Russell, thank you very much for joining Thanks, us man. on a Monday. Now for Oyers as well, I just remembered this. Uh, St Pauli are playing Hamburg at half past seven tonight on BT Sports. It's a Hamburg derby, so. I think everybody will join me and go and come on your boys in brown uh, tonight. And if you can watch that, brilliant. So I'll see you all tomorrow night and hail, hail.
Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's E-A-S-Y to 203-203. Hey, what's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.